We are going to be looking at Luke chapter 10 this morning. So Luke chapter 10. If you have your phones or your Bibles, whatever you brought with you for the Word of God today, uh, just be finding Luke chapter 10. There we go. All right, and as is my tradition, I will be reading you a story while you're flipping to Luke chapter 10. A cop pulls over a car for going 20 miles per hour on the highway. The driver is an elderly woman, and there are two other ladies in the back seat. The cop asks, why were you driving just 20 miles per hour? The driver responds, I was just going the posted speed limit and points to a sign just up ahead. The cop smiles and says, ma'am, that's not the speed limit sign. That is the road sign, and it says Route 20. One of the old ladies in the back yells out, We tried to tell you, Edna. The cop takes another look at the two women in the back and knows and sees that they are wide-eyed and totally disheveled. One of them is tightly gripping onto the door handle. The cop says, What's the matter? She says, sir, we just got off Interstate 190. <laughs> you got it this time. Good. <laughs> Tammy read that last night and it just phew, went right over her head. She got it this time. Good. <laughs> As you can see by the, the screens up there, I've titled the, today's message, The Two-Way Road. The two-way road. We're going to talk through some natural things today and also some supernatural things. How many of you drove here this morning? Were you the drivers? Yeah, good. Did you notice, did you feel that nice new pavement under your car, under your tires? Wasn't that nice? That just made you want to set the cruise up to 80, 85 and just, just cruise right along, didn't it? Almost. Good. <laughs> that road was just redone about four years ago. So Route 62 is the only way to get here, okay? Of course, he could walk or ride a motorcycle or as Rudy rode his scooter this week. But Route 62 is the only way you can come to Praise Fellowship if you're driving a car. There's no other roads that lead here, just one road. So you can kind of see on our slide we have 62 north and 62 south. So some of you came from the north to the south. Some of you came from the south to the north. But regardless of which direction you came from, maybe you came from the east or west, but you still had to turn onto Route 62 to come here today. So literally, there was a whole crew of workers, construction workers, that prepared the way for you to come here this morning. Wasn't that nice of them? Yeah, yeah. So we could all be together and not forsake the gathering this morning. However, for those of us that have traveled Route 62 in the last couple weeks, we know the grueling frustrations of sitting there in the traffic and sitting there waiting for that stop sign to turn to slow so we can make our way forward, correct? So just because there's a nice new road doesn't mean 
that it didn't come with a price. It didn't come with a cost. It didn't come with people working in the grueling hot sun out there preparing the way for us to literally come here today and gather. I'm, I'm super thankful for those workers that, that made that road because I make several trips here uh, throughout the week, and it's just very nice to have a nice new road. So thank you, construction crew workers. You're out there. Now, let's talk a little bit about the supernatural now because we've had several words this year spoken over this house that prodigals will return. Rebels will return. Do we remember these words? Come on. Have we been praying into those words? Have we been praying that the prodigals will return? Of course we have. Because we believe in faith that God is going to bring people here in a literal sense, but also in a supernatural sense. And so our prayers prepare the way uh, for people to come. Even last week, uh, we heard some super awesome testimonies of the things that God is doing right now. God is working in people's lives right now. And just to see the fruit of that and the baptisms uh, was pretty awesome. But I, as I'm driving the road back and forth, uh, like I said, I make several trips here throughout the week. But I, I was kind of dropped in my spirit of two different prophecies about highways and roads. And I want to read those for you today. I don't, I don't have these in there, Mark, so just bear with me. Isaiah 35, 8 says, And a highway will be there. It will be called the highway of holiness. Isn't that cool? It will be for those who walk on that way. So here's another prophecy from Isaiah 62. It says, Pass through, and it repeats those, those verbs, Pass through the gates. Prepare the way for people. Build up, and it repeats this verb again, build up the highway, remove the stones, and raise a banner for the nations. Now, like I said, we drove here this morning on the smooth road that was very nice for us to come here. But what if there would have been a bunch of debris in the way and stones in the way, and it would have been uh, milled up, right? When they do a construction, a new road, they got to mill it up. It would have been a very rough ride for us this morning, right? But praise God, we have a smooth way that we can come here. So out of those two prophecies in Isaiah, there's actually three Gospels where those prophecies were fulfilled. And we know that John the Baptist was the one that prepared the way for Jesus to come and minister and do the work that God the Father had him do. See, that was the plan the whole time. Jesus didn't really need a, a preparation. He could have just showed up, right? We know Jesus is the Son of God. He could have just said, here I am, boom, and just started healing people. One, two, three, four. But there was a preparation. There was a plan in place for John the Baptist to come and start to baptize people. And he prepared the way for Jesus to come. So I want to be very clear as we get into the dis discussion here of the two-way road. Let's be very clear, and we'll agree with Rich, what he said last Sunday at the picnic. There's only one way to Jesus. Is that correct? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's a one way to Jesus. So don't get confused today when I talk about the two-way road, okay? We know there's a way in here that we came on, but we also have to go out on that two-way road. We can't just stay here. I mean, you could, but it, it, trust me, it gets pretty lonely on Monday mornings, okay? So we have to go out on this two-way road to minister to those that need it, to help those that need it. See, we don't forsake the gathering. We come here to get filled up. We come here to, to minister to Jesus, number one, through worship. But we also come here to encourage one another. But it's not just for here. We can't keep the message in here. The words of Jesus are meant to be multiplied and be gone out of the four walls. To partner with Jesus in the sense that we are partnering with Jesus in his mission, which was to seek and save the lost. Amen? So what Rich was saying was an eternal way. There's one way to Jesus. But while we are here on earth, we must maintain in our minds that we're still in, on the earth, and there's a two-way road here. So let me just give you a little history. <clears throat> the church in general now, I'm not talking specifically to Praise Fellowship, but the church, since its birth, has gone through seasons where the focus of ministry has changed from time to time. And what I mean by that is sometimes, yeah, boogie fever, oh, okay. So sometimes our focus gets so much on the outside that we forget about the internal. We forget about our ministry to Jesus. But on the contrary, we can get so focused on the internal part of ministry getting filled up, getting filled up, getting filled up, we forget who's on the outside. Okay, you follow me so far? So two kind of pockets there, two kind of roads, if you will, the road in and the road out. So I believe that we have to have a balance in this. And overall, I'd say we are pretty good at this balance. But today I just want to give us a word that reminds us, okay, of this balance. So here we go. Let's look at that passage, Luke chapter 10. So here again, Jesus is trying to teach. And those around him are trying to slip, slip him up, right? They're trying to trip him up. There's always like a wise guy in the crowd. So look at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said. And here's the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay? This is the expert in the law talking. He's asking the question. So Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So Jesus was always teaching, answering questions with questions. And here he did the same thing. He asked the lawyer who knew the law. He was an expert in the law. He said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? 
And in 27, the lawyer answers, and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your heart, excuse me, soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So what are those four things again? How are we supposed to love the Lord our God? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and all of our mind. Okay, that's the law. That's the commandment that we were given to love our God with all of our everything, everything we have. So this could be interpreted as love the Lord your God as much as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Or as if you were loving yourself. Okay? I'm just going to step out here and say, I think, I believe we live in a very selfish culture. So, because of that, we have such a great need to know this verse and to, to, to recognize what's happening. All right, let's talk about neighbors for a second. We probably all live in different forms of housing here. Uh, some of you might live way out in the country and your nearest neighbor is, you know, a mile away. But in a neighborhood, your neighbor is someone that lives close to you, correct? So here, this passage is going to be all about the neighbor and who is defining as our neighbor. Who can I pick on? Oh, I'll pick on you ladies right there. So Sandy, who's the closest one to you right now? Melissa. So is Melissa considered your neighbor right now? Yes. So let's define today's definition of a neighbor of someone who is close to you. Okay? Making sense? So let's read verse 28. This is Jesus talking. He says, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. 29. But he, now this is the lawyer talking, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So he asked this question. And this is so cool. So Jesus gets into the story now. He answers this next question with a story. So we're going to pick this up at verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, here's another road. I don't think the Jericho road was as smooth as the one we drove on this morning to get here. But it's a story about a road. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, I didn't do an extensive study here on the Jericho road, but obviously this is a very risky road to travel on. Okay? If he fell among thieves and they stripped him of everything he had. Now, here's one thing I think we should point out and we should learn in this story. Because all through the month of July, we talked about identity. When this man was walking down the road and he fell among the, the, the robbers and the thieves and they stripped him of his clothes, 
I believe they also stripped him of his identity. He was unrecognizable because his outer garment had been removed. So he wasn't even sure who he was. <clears throat> We've quoted the verse John 10, 10 a lot this year. Can anybody say it back to me? Not everybody at once. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Good. But what's the beginning of John 10, 10? Yeah, you're close. You're close. So it talks about the enemy, right? Our adversary, the one who is opposing us. But it said he doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't think the guy that was walking the Jericho Road was out looking for trouble. He didn't wake up and say, man, I can go get in a whole heap of trouble today, get all my clothes stripped off of me, and get, get the snot beat out of me. I don't think he was looking for trouble. However, his enemies, the thieves, the robbers, they were waiting for him. So just like the adversary of our soul doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's very important to maintain. But Satan will leave you alone unless he wants to steal from you, kill you, or destroy you, which we all know he does. Because we are all God's creation. Our enemy doesn't have good intentions for anyone, not just Christians, not just people in the church. He opposes anyone because we're all God's creation. We were all made in his image. <clears throat> I also find it very interesting in that verse, when Jesus is telling this story, he says, the man was left half dead. Now, it's Jesus' words, so I can't, you know, mess with it. But we say a glass is half empty, but it's also half full. So if he was half dead, he was also half alive, which gives us hope to know that if somebody came along that cared for this man, he had hope enough, he was 50% alive, he could get back to his 100% of living. So let's keep going in our story. Let's read verse 31. So who comes on the scene? A priest, but also, I think we, it's safe to say, along comes religion. Okay? So the lawyer's job was to know the law. The priest's job was to teach the law. So 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he did what? Passed by on the other side. So two things to know. The priest did see him. He didn't just walk right past. He saw him. But then, for whatever reason, he passed by on the other side. The priest's job is to teach the law. The priest had an anointing. He had his own garment. He had his own covering 
that was obviously given by God. He was teaching the law. But maybe he was too busy. Maybe he didn't want to get involved with a common person. Maybe he didn't want to get involved with the blood, the wounding that, that had happened. But for whatever reason, he passed by on the other side. What's the definition of a neighbor again? Anyone who is near, close by. Was the priest close by? Let's keep going. Verse 32. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. It's a very familiar story to us. But I want to point out that the Levite was from a very similar tribe where the priest was from. So he too, like the priest, had responsibilities and duties within the house of God. He had his own garment. He had his own identity that he put on every day. But the priests did this. They did all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. So they had their own calling. They had their own thing that they were doing to be called to God. But again, maybe he didn't have time. Maybe he didn't have time for people because all he was doing was all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. He could have been cleaning the temple. He could have been building something. You know, who knows what he was doing. But for whatever reason, the Levite too spotted the man, but he passed by on the other side. And then along comes our good buddy, the Good Samaritan. Kind of a commonly used phrase in our culture, maybe not as common as it used to be. But the Good Samaritan has a very positive reputation, a good spin on it, if you will. But I want to say this together. Here's a phrase that I want to teach you. It's nothing new, but I want to bring this to light today. So repeat after me. Say, the Good Samaritan did everything that he could do for the man. But he, the Good Samaritan, could not do everything for the man. One more time. The Good Samaritan did everything that he could do for the man. But he, the Good Samaritan, could not do everything for the man. Some of you are nodding your heads. You've heard this before. It's good. So what did he do? How did the Good Samaritan help? I kind of relate the Good Samaritan in today's culture to like an urgent care. He came by, right? We'll read it here in a second. But he came by, he did his thing, and then he dropped him off at an inn. The inn probably wasn't even prepared for long-term care, but the Good Samaritan for sure was not prepared for long-term care. Praise God, we have a surgical center that goes that way, 62 North, and we have a hospital right? Downtown Warren. Are we a care facility here? Of course. Can, are we prepared to do surgeries and, you know, open up 
chess and do things like that? Absolutely not. But we can do what we can do. And then praise God, there's specialized people in this area that can also help others. So let's look at 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. So he again made it to the place where the first two guys made it when they saw him. But he took the next step. He had pity on the wounded man, the man that was bleeding, the man that was on the side of the road. And once he had compassion, he could move into the next step. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Anybody ever heard of a tourniquet? Probably not as common as they used to be. And probably nowadays they have something that connects to your phone and tells you what to do and all these fancy apps. But a tourniquet was just a very simplified bandage that was used to stop the bleeding. So when I'm reading this, I'm like, this man stumbles upon the bleeding man on the road. He has a donkey. But I don't think he was prepared. This isn't like the ambulance service here, the Good Samaritan Ambulance Service. I think he had to make a tourniquet. I think he had to use whatever he had on to make the tourniquet so that this man's bleeding could stop. Remember how we talked about the garment and the identity and the priest's identity and the Levite's identity and their, their duties and what they did. We don't really know what the Good Samaritan's duties were, but I think we can believe that he took off his own identity, his own selfishness, whatever he had on, and he made the wounded man a tourniquet. Sometimes we have to do that. We have to rip our own identity apart. rip our own selfishness apart so that we can help others that are in need. Are we still okay today? So the first thing the Good Samaritan did was to stop the bleeding. The second thing he did in that verse, he started to pour on oil and wine. Oil and wine are obviously very numerous used occasions in the scripture of the Holy Spirit. So he literally used oil and wine to pour into the wounds of the wounded man. You remember the, a couple weeks ago I had the millstone up here and we learned how oil was made. You know, the crushing of the olives. So wine represents a cleansing agent. So the wine cleaned the wounds, but the oil came in to salve the wounds, to soothe the wounds, just like Holy Spirit does in our own lives. But he didn't just leave them beside the road, did he? 
The third thing that the Good Samaritan did, he took him to an inn where he could get the needed care that he required. I believe this part of the story reminds us that we're human. Yes, Christ lives in us. Yes, we need to be powerful. Yes, we need to carry the spirit of the Lord, but we're still human. Remember, the Good Samaritan did everything that he could do, but he couldn't do everything for the man. So in verse 35, the Good Samaritan departs from the wounded man, but he doesn't desert him. I think that's very important. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you might have. The inn was a place where this half-dead man could get to the next level of care because the good Samaritan's care level was short-term. And then Jesus ends the story by asking a question. He talks directly to the lawyer and he says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. So like I said, two-way road. We can come here and we can worship and put our hands up and encourage one another. And this is awesome. And the word tells us, do not forsake the gathering. But we cannot be so focused internally that when we're driving back out on 62 and we see the wounded and the hurting and the broken, that we can't take time to show compassion on those that need it. We come in here to be filled up. We were challenged back in May um, by Julie when she came to be new wineskins, to be flexible, to know that new wine is coming, that, that God is doing new things. He's, he's stirring up new things. But we need to be flexible. We need to stay filled up so that we can also pour out. We need to come here to be fed we need to come here to learn the word of God, but also to go out and minister to those that need it, to feed others. Like I said, the gospel message, the character of God the Father, and these words of Jesus are meant to be multiplied. They're not meant to be kept in here. Denny has a saying that says, us four, no more. We can't have that mentality. We've got to go out and bless others. I want to end today just a little bit differently. I hope that, that that word has encouraged you a little bit today, but also challenged you um, just to know that there is a two-way road. But I want to talk about one more road uh, before we wrap up today. So I'm going to call up my wife. Uh, come on up here. I'm going to call up Brian and Donna Adelgren and Rich and Ann Van Houten. Come on up here. <laughs> You're down there. What are you doing? 
Come over here. Come on, don't be shy. So these five people uh, surrounding me, they have been road pavers. They have been preparing the way for a long time. I'm kind of the greenhorn here in leadership. I think I've been here the least amount of time out of the six of us standing up here uh, right now. So Brian and Donna have been in leadership a long time. They've been paving the road. They've seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst. But they're still here, and they're still grinding it out. So we praise God for them. Um, my wife's been here longer than me, um, so she has more experience. And then I also want to recognize our leader. <laughs> uh, Rich and Ann Van Houten. As you know, Rich uh, does a lot of things here. So does Ann. But they have been very instrumental in what I spoke to today, which is the care part of Praise Fellowship. So when you get a card in the mail, when you get a phone call, when you get a text, that's mostly driven from right here. And I just wanted to take a couple moments and recognize um, every. I can't say everything they've done because we'd be here for hours and hours, but I just want to recognize what they've brought to the table um, here because both of these guys own their own businesses. So they come here and they help the church out in many ways, but they also go out and help the community in other ways with their, with their own businesses. So uh, thank you to all you guys. Don't leave me, okay? Stay here. Um, but today is a very exciting season, and like I said to um, Brian and Rich this morning, I feel like something was conceived here back in January. So in the prayer room over here, we met with uh, Jordan and Kira Spencer as um, the six of us and the two of them. And they started to pour out their heart to us of what they believe God was calling them to do, to come to this region, to come back to this region, and to really be a part of what's happening here. So we know, we have prayed into this, we've sat on many Zoom meetings, we have just have so much time um, into all of this, and and. I could pass the mic around and they could tell you all their own stories, but we've come to an agreement that we're going to bring Jordan and Kara Spencer in to this house as lead pastors of Praise Fellowship. <laughs> like I said, it's been a long road. It's been a long process, but we believe that we've heard from God. We believe that they're bringing a fresh vision, and you're going to hear a lot of that um, in the next few weeks. Jordan has communicated to us that he wants to kind of restore PF to its original vision, which is praise and fellowship. So with change comes nervousness and comes different things like that. But like I said, today I've had nothing but peace. I can't even describe to you the peace that I have. And Rich and I, we meet every Thursday for prayer. So we met um, 
It wasn't this Thursday. It was two Thursdays ago. And I said, Rich, I just have a peace. And he said, you have the peace that passes all understanding. So we want to stand together today to give you this awesome news, um, but to also partner with us in prayer. The Spencers are currently driving across the country. Uh, they're coming here. Interesting fact, Route 62 starts at the southwestern part of the United States, all the way at the Mexican border. So literally, we're preparing the way for them to drive here. And of course, Route 62 ends in uh, close to Niagara Falls, close to the Canadian border. So um, I just want to say I'm very excited. We have um, had a covering in this process. We have had numerous people from Elam come here. We've been doing calls and Zoom meetings with them. We're going to continue down that road. We are an interesting church in the fact that we're not part of a denomination. We can't just call a central office and say, hey, send us three candidates and we'll pick one. This had to be God from the start. And we believe that it's still God and it's going to continue to be God because there's a lot of left work to do for this house. Amen? I just want to um, just tell you we're excited and I want to give any of these um, people here a chance to talk to you. And then we'll give some more direction here in the end. So. so when AJ had said Jordan wants to restore the original vision of praise and fellowship, that is true. But he also, I mean, we're in a new season, and he's open to expanding upon that as well, like he had talked about with us, um, because we have a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of texting, a lot of phone calls. Um, but he wants to expand upon that as well because we don't want to put God in a box. We are entering, as Praise Fellowship, we are entering a new season. And I am so, so excited to see what God is going to do in this next season. So I want you all to be praying into that and to be just really ready in your spirit to say, you know what? It might not look like it's always looked but God is going to be in it because he is really doing a fresh new thing, and it's really super exciting. Anybody have anything? Again, keep praying. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, God's plans and purposes for this place, he birthed it for his plan, for his purpose. And so we're just carrying on what he initiated. And the cogs may change, but God's plan and purpose doesn't. So prayers are obviously needed. We need to continue seeking him out. And what Jordan and Kira bring is talent, gifting, calling. And that's what we rest on, is Jordan very clearly said they were called to come back here. And if somebody's not called here, we saw, we saw a lot of resumes over these last few years that were not called to be here. And God kept us patient, and the reward is on steps. I just want to say that like the six of us can can stand up here and you we maybe are visual and you can see what we do sometimes you don't see what we do but I believe that and I think we all believe that God's vision is so big for our region that 
it's more than the six or eight of us are going to be able to handle. It's going to take all of you to join in and, and walk this vision out. So as you pray, even for leadership, I ask you pray and ask the Lord what it is that he's asking you to do, what part it is that he wants you to serve as a part of this body. Um, I believe we've all seen the movie, many of us have seen the movie, The Jesus Revolution. Well, we're in for the PF, right? <laughs> the PF uh, uh, explosion. I just think this is such a new season that we just need to hang on and pray into this season and that God's going to do great things. Yeah, this is the PF re revolution. And um, Sylvia Evans, when she was here, She's, you know, said lots of things to lots of people. And she said, if you ever um, wake up and write things down, well, yeah, quite often I do. And sometimes you hold on to things for a while before you release them because you wrote it down and you're not sure what it's supposed to be for or mean. But I wrote down about a three-legged stool. In Ephesians... 412 says about the threefold cord can't be broken, you know. And so now we're going to see the threefold stool. Rich, Rich and AJ and uh, Jordan. <laughs> and, you know, a one legged stool is pretty teetery, it can give you some rest. And a two legged stool is more stable. But that three legged stool absolutely rock solid and so I really believe that adding this third dimension in the leadership of Praise Fellowship is going to make a huge inroad to the revolution and, and I believe that you guys us as the congregation are the support that goes across those three legs that hold those legs together so as we pray into this next season, as we move into this next season, we need to support those three legs. And I'm just super excited about the three-legged stool we got coming into play. Going once? Going twice? <laughs> um, I, I mean, just excitement. I think that's the word. That's the word uh, that was at the table um, about three weeks ago when we had Elam leaders here on a Monday night, and it was just so awesome uh, to see the whole plan kind of come together. And they are ready, trust me. Um, we spent about an hour and a half with them Friday night um, on the phone, and they are just ready to be here. They're ready to run. They're a little tired, so if you hear that they're coming, just give them a little space, okay, give them some rest time, um, because they're driving straight across the country, but trust me, they are ready to go, and um, we are ready to support them, and also run with them in this race, and we want you all to join us as well, and all the new people that are coming in, all the prodigals, and the rebels, and you know, that two-way road, so we talked a lot of t today about compassion, I just want to close up our time today, uh, we're going to stay up here, and um, if you want to have that compassion released um, to you, we will 
lay hands on you and pray for you today. If you have any questions um, about what we just said, you can come up front as well. But I'm just pray for us, and then we can uh, depart ways here. God, we just thank you for your peace, uh, for that shalom that only you can bring. God, your word says that uh, you know we have our own plans and, and things that we want to see do, but you guide our steps. And God, we are asking for uh, just a solid clarity going forward that we would uh, just continue to pray into, to hear from you, uh, to see this fresh new thing that you're about to do. God, we are so excited. Uh, we pray for Jordan and Kira as they travel, give them traveling mercies here. Uh, just involve this whole body, this whole fellowship into pointing towards you. Give us that compassion and just come and do things that only you can do in this region. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want prayer, you come forward. Blind.